Welcome to the Wicked Radio Network. Welcome to Shot of History. Tell me more. Fill me with your knowledge, Trico. Fill me. (laughs) Previously on Shot of History. We pick back up where we left off last week. Carly is asking Trico, Steph, and myself... Who we think of when someone brings up the topic of ancient female leaders. Enjoy. So, you know, there's been a lot, you know, you, you when you think of queens in the ancient world or powerful women, who do you guys think of? Mm. Well, probably, uh, well, like Cleopatra. Obviously Cleopatra. Um, <laughs> Queen Elizabeth. Yeah, Queen mm-hmm. Elizabeth. Uh, Nefertiti, probably. Yeah. yeah. Or Heshepet. Heshepet, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, probably her over Nefertiti because she was like a full-on pharaoh. Um, she was awesome. Yeah, yeah, she was awesome. Uh, yeah. Um, so probably I'd say probably those are like the three big ones, I guess. Yeah. And that kind of includes a lot of the different cultures. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Definitely, and I think that those are a lot of people know a bit about those women, but they don't know that there are a lot of other additional women, and then in a lot of you know, whether, you know, we don't have as much information about them or they weren't as kind of like flashy as some of the big ones um, whose stories, you know, whether haven't been told because they're not, uh, a lot of times it's, you know, whether the monuments have been knocked down or they're, you know, the sources that we have don't really tell as much about them. I love kind of, you know, taking the untold stories or stories that, you know, maybe only get like, you know, an occasional article um, and just kind of, mm-hmm trying to retell them so and i find it fascinating so in particular you know we look at sources um you know most of the history that we have is you know the primary sources would have been written by you know elite white males Mm -hmm. so we're not going to necessarily get a lot about you know queens of you know different backgrounds of of color of different you know interest of different um there are of interest to us except you know, these writers may have seen them as like, you know, weird curiosities. So one of my favorite examples is there um, is evidence that in ancient Nubia to the south of Egypt, where Egypt, you know, had is basically a colony for centuries um, where they mined a lot of their gold um, that was kind of considered like the kind of barbarian southern end of Egypt. There was a flourishing um, culture, in, uh, especially uh, in the site uh, at the site of Meroe in ancient Egypt, they in uh, ancient Nubia, and they had their own pyramids, and there was definitely a lot of cultural exchange. But the Egyptians kind of just, you know, thought of it as like their, like their like ugly stepsister, basically. <laughs> and but and so they don't get their own, you know, they don't get a lot of credit because they're now in modern um, archaeology. There's been a lot more work done in the Sudan and that area, those areas. Um, on these ancient sites, but they're absolutely incredible. And the kings and queens that ruled there in their own right are fascinating, regardless of the Egyptians. And again, that kind of Western skewing, uh, you know, Caucasian perspective has been, the emphasis has been on the sort of, you know, Egyptian pharaoh that has been co-opted into the Western narrative. But there are these, in particular, there were these amazing 
um, queens called the Candakees, which I don't know how the exact pronunciation is. It's spelled like Candace, but with K's. And there were these amazing, uh, in the last couple centuries, prior to, um, well, I always like, I hate saying the birth of Christ, but all right, fine. Jesus, I'll give you a shout. <laughs> Just say it. Uh, sure. Um, um, BC, there were these war, these fabulous warrior queens that were supposed to have, um, you know, they're mentioned in acts. They're mentioned in um, maybe fighting with Alexander the Great. And you know, there's, there are they don't get a lot of you know kind of they get a little short shrift. And it, you know, I had heard of them briefly, but I remember sort of again coming across like a reference in passing being like wow these women sound incredible let me learn more about them so I dove down my fate my history rabbit hole and just wound up like falling in love with these people I want I want you know movies to be made about them I would love to read historical fiction novels you know set in their society in Meroway and um you know they were probably you know long members of a long line of independent African queens. And I think that it's important to acknowledge, you know, well, I think the archaeologists more and more are, you know, looking at stuff just beyond the immediate, you know, Greece, Rome, and then, you know, people um, in centuries past have, you know, would co-opt Egypt into that. But we forget that Egypt is in Africa and is, you know, part of, you know, much larger cultural exchange, not just in the Mediterranean and beyond, but, you know, on the continent of Africa itself. And I think that, and when I say we, I don't necessarily just mean us, I mean society and history and archaeology, that there's, you know, the cultural exchange goes a lot of different ways. Because, we'll, you know, we talk about, you know, Egyptian expeditions to Punt into different areas and into the Mediterranean, but there's also, you know, looking, you know, Punt was, which, you know, Hatshepsut sent out, an expedition to this fabled land that no one really knows where it is, but you know, basically the it's like the El Dorado of the ancient world. And it may have been in Africa, it may have been in Arabia, but I personally find it more interesting the idea that it is in Africa and that, you know, there are, you know, there's this really fabulous queen that is shown as basically having like rolls and rolls of fat. She kind of looks like a bulldog. And <laughs> she hot. Is, <laughs> so no, hot. It, if you google the queen of punt it's spelled like punt with the football um but she shown as like prosperity and i love there, there are these traditions that we don't you know like it's kind of like oh well she's just this exotic whatever because that's the way the egyptians saw her see, seemingly this exotic curiosity but i find this woman fascinating and i want you know i don't she wasn't a nubia it doesn't look like in terms of geography but you know i love you know if i could help you know try and I don't know. I, I don't know. I, I want to somehow bring her to life if I, if I could. I don't know. I've like in my mind, all of these things that I really want to um, like people to write about. And I try, you know, I'll write nonfiction about them, but you know, I'm, I love reading historical fiction, but I'm not necessarily a novelist. So I, I'm like, Hey, history, like historical fiction writer, writers, why don't you guys write about these awesome people? And I realize that's not exactly the way it works, unfortunately. <laughs> well, you because, can always send suggestions. I'm yeah. sure. Oh, I do. I <laughs> like try and influence people all the time. And I'm really, really, really long winded way of saying that, but I just, I find these particular women fascinating. And, you know, there's even a story that, um, you know, the, I believe her name is Amana Renas, who's one of the Queens of Meroway in Nubia, um, routed the Romans who were in Roman Egypt at the time. Um, well, it actually wasn't quite, correction. It, it 
was like kind of the end of the Ptolemaic era, early Augustan era. And um, she was called Queen of the Ethiopians by the historian Strabo, a masculine woman who had lost an eye. And it's really interesting that, you know, yeah, yeah, it's like, oh, she's, you know, she's a woman, but she's a warrior. So it means that she can't, you know, like, you know, all of these implications that we think about today, which are so interesting, but she's described, um, another historian describes her as basically going north and kind of almost kicking out the um, Roman official who was in the area. And um, eventually, you know, they unfortunately for her it didn't work out the roman guy who was there kind of said like well they kind of they pushed her back south but the you know we don't hear about these kinds of you know kick-ass women often enough i think and i would love to hear more and more about them and like they they have their own pyramids they have these gorgeous temples you know again centuries and centuries worth of stuff that you know history that we only have we don't have a we don't have an, they don't have enough representation, I think, in the modern historical narrative. And I would love to see more. So I try. Hints, and, hints. Yeah. <laughs> historical fiction writers or basic, not basic, um, like general, um, you know, historians. I, and there's been a lot of work done on them in, you know, the past, cent- the past century. And I think that they're definitely more in the, in the, um, archaeological narrative than they than they were at one point but i think that you know i i'm really i try and like translate not translate but bring stuff that is super obscure and only i would seemingly care about to make it accessible and interesting in a way and i think that there's definitely that hunger for these kind for knowledge about powerful women of different backgrounds is you know you can see by you know just looking you know at all of the um you know amazing amazing women across the world today that, you know, were trying to bring their stories to light, whether it from different parts of the world, there were, you know, they're not, uh, they're not the only extraordinary women from their respective backgrounds. There were, you know, there were women like them in antiquity, whether warriors, whether poetesses, whether um, queens, whether, you know, but for a whole variety of reasons, we don't necessarily have their stories. And I think that it's important to, for historians to acknowledge that and bring those women of, you know, from all different backgrounds um, to the fore. So we can realize there's a, there in every different part of the world, there are long traditions of strong, powerful, intelligent women. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, sorry, that's the Barnard in me kind of coming out. It's like, it basically <laughs> like the feminist flag. Sorry. Sometimes I get like a little, I just, I feel super, super strong about this kind of stuff. And I think that, um, I don't know. I want to see like these Kandakias, these ancient queens of Nubia, basically be their own superheroes. Like that would be a Marvel movie I would go see. <laughs> like, do, could you imagine a one-eyed ancient queen basically kicking Roman ass? That would be an ace. That that would be an amazing movie. That would yep. be awesome. Uh, I think we would all buy a ticket. For yeah. That. <laughs> she's like, I still got one good eye. Let's do yeah. this. <laughs> Just goes to war. That's about it. You know, she's. I mean, she had a. Uh, um, was Amanarena. She was, um, even after her, like kind of like a chipset, even after her husband died, she became, she took power for herself. It wasn't, you know, there was a long tradition of strong women in, um, not just in Egypt, but again, in other areas in, um, in neighboring uh, Nubia. And I think that, uh, I don't know, I just find it fascinating. I love, kind of, I, I love that stuff. Yeah. 
Yeah, that'd be awesome. Uh, I'm especially digging the like the one-eyed warrior queen because especially like she's missing like like if her left eye was damaged, then the Roman ambassador guy always got to do is stay on her left side and like he, he won't see her. <laughs> I'm picturing like this Marvel comedy. He's into this <laughs> like, and the statues. Like, yeah, this is where yes. Trico's at right now. <laughs> one-eyed women and statues. All of the statues only have one eye. Yeah. <laughs> And there's this great story that the Roman prefect of Egypt attacked her fortress and took a lot of prisoners, but she didn't care. She basically just, I don't mean she cared, I'm sure, but she attacked the Roman garrison with like thousands and thousands of men, regardless. I mean, she was, again, there's a tradition um, of uh, strong, courageous queens in um, in Africa. And there's the, there's a great quote the, um, that she uh, negotiated, you know, she was eventually defeated by the Roman official, and this particular queen's name was Amanarenas, but uh, she negotiated with Augustus, and the quote says, the ambassadors obtained all that they desired, and Caesar even remitted the tribute which he had imposed. So they came to a treaty, and even though she was defeated, she got everything she wanted out of her treaty, and she didn't have to pay him any tribute, which is pretty extraordinary when you think about it. Exactly. I like how Rome kind of spins it like, oh, yeah, we got what we wanted. They probably got their asses kicked, but they're like, <laughs> well, we got what we wanted, so everything's cool. We got exactly. ours. <laughs> and if you think about it, you know, there's only, you know, this is the source that we're getting. The sources that we're getting these from are Roman sources. I mean, there's yeah. the archaeological evidence, but these particular narratives are Roman. So I, if you think about, you know, if that's what they're saying and that's like what they're grudgingly admitting to, can you only imagine what the – what the other side would have to say, right? Yeah, and what the actual truth is, exactly. And I'm not oh, saying those that... little Nancy boys, we kicked their ass. <laughs> <laughs> and I think you know, there's, um, you know, I love also the idea that, um, uh, you know, they have their own pyramids and they have, um, you know, just really incredible, you know, incredibly fascinating traditions in Nubia. That while there are definitely similarities and there were there's definite hybridization with um and incorporation with you know egyptian culture and you see gods worshipped egyptian gods worshipped nubia there are incredibly vibrant independent traditions that are really just awesome and um you know there was great flourishing of art and culture and, you know through all through those centuries that was you know they they coexisted with you know late ptolemy i mean with late ptolemaic egypt in particular in the case of these final uh, queens of Meroe. And um, it's really interesting. There's a, there's basically a piece of like fan fiction about Alexander the Reed's life called the Alexander Romance, which is really fun. And um, it was from the first couple centuries AD. And um, there's a character in it that we don't know which queen it was based, would have been based on probably whichever queen was alive in Alexander's time, but her name is inside it. She's called the Kandakiv Meroe. So the queen of Meroe. And she basically talks to Alexander one-on-one -on -one and she adopts him as her third child. And it's interesting because it's, you know, it's clearly some sort of, you know, justification of a seizing power in Northern Africa. But it's so interesting that, you know, centuries after, um, you know, the, um, you know, the, the queens of Meroe, their rule may have continued into this time period, but their legacy lived on even in the context of Alexander the Great. And it's interesting that, um, the way that they continue to be interpreted there there she's negotiating with alexander as a monarch worthy 
you know, one-on-one, not, you know, as a subordinate, but even as a mother figure in a way that really is, it's extraordinary. You think about it, you don't, you know, the, Al, you, is it basically is on is on his level in a way that you don't see. And again, it's another, I think, a cultural memory of some kick-ass women that, uh, um, that are pretty kick-ass. I mean, I really kind of like, uh, you think I've said kick-ass enough? Kick-ass <laughs> no, no, definitely no. not. Say it a few more times. It's a new drinking game for this episode. <laughs> yes. Every time somebody says kick-ass, you have to have a drink. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Done. And, and um, with uh, one of the final dynasties before the um before egypt was conquered from the outside um was the 25th dynasty which was um basically um kings of meroe and nubia conquered egypt but there was this really amazing religious renaissance in the 7th century bc before the assyrians babylonians and persians and the greeks and everyone kind of came in and this is yeah like i said the 7th century so i think that you know the society of nubia and the way in which it's interacted it, it, with Egypt it often gets overshadowed by Egypt itself and I think that I really love studying this particular part of the world because it's something that doesn't get its fair shrift um or doesn't get gets often gets short shrift because of its neighbor to the north and I think that it's a really fascinating area with a lot of really interesting people yeah definitely I mean, I just, I basically just want to, you know, walk around like a one-eyed queen. I just, I want, <laughs> I want this queen to be, I don't know, I, I'm like, I'm, I'm like wishful casting in my head, like who would I have in this role? And I mean, just like, I'm thinking like the, um, like the, what is it like the, um, uh, what, what was it like that 300 sequel that looked really terrible oh. that everyone saw? Yeah. Like, <laughs> something like that, but good. <laughs> awesome. Was it like 400? Like I feel like I can't. It, it was like 300 rise of something, or yeah. I don't even remember. Rise was of the that... Persians or something like that. <laughs> or no, Rise of the Silver Surfer was the fantastic one. <laughs> <laughs> something entire. Okay, that's something entirely different. It is, but that's fine. It, it was. Fine. It okay. is also terrible. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. also a bad movie. So we're good. Okay, because <laughs> okay, that's. I, I'm. Yeah, that. But like something like that, where it's kind of just basically like just again warrior queens are there are so many um so I, I i love writing about those um those kinds of women because they're really um they're really i find them really interesting and but um i always like do like to do like well you know if someone was so and so was to write a movie about this person who would i cast and um that's something that i always just find fun to kind of you know think about who would play a great role and i think that it, um uh especially given, you know, the recent Gods of Egypt movie, which was just a nightmare. Um, That it's important to, you know, make casting is particularly important. I wrote an article on it, um, which I think was something that I felt very passionate about talking to people, you know, talking to different scholars, talking to Egyptologists, talking to media experts about why... um, not I think it's not even just whitewashing anymore it's cultural erasure which is um why this is still allowed to happen and I think you know it's just I again I I I write about ancient history and I'm not like the most you know I don't have I have a I have a platform but I don't have you know the greatest like you know I don't get like you know I don't I'm not like who am I thinking? I don't know. Who am I thinking of? Like, I don't, I'm not like BuzzFeed. Like I don't have that kind of platform, but I wanted to really 
talk to people, whether historians, media people, just to just to address this from what platform I did have, because I felt like, you know, it's you get this kind of stuff in movies in general, but it's you know, but this in particular is something that I, you know, I write about ancient history. So this is something that I feel particularly like I knew I know um you know, like I knew the basic mythology that it was based on. And first of all, it's there's no it's not like based on a specific myth. Lord knows there are plenty of things they could have based it on. <laughs> but um, you know, the it was just the casting choices, I mean it was just whitewashed beyond belief and there's no no reason for that to be happening especially in today's world and so i you know i talked to everyone from zaki hiwas who's probably the most famous egyptologist in the world who um i did an interview with who's a very very nice guy to um to film scholars to media experts to you know why is it that they hollywood will not cast diverse actors in these kinds of stories. And it's really just, you know, I, I don't think I was like reinventing the wheel anyway, because I think a lot of people <laughs> wrote really great essays about this particular topic. Yeah. And I wasn't, you know, I, you know, and I definitely tried to link to all of those, but I just tried to look at it from, the, from you know, interviewing, bringing in some archeologists, bringing in some film scholars, trying to, trying to get a lot of different awesome academics perspectives, because I just like, I just wanted to bang my head against the wall. And I, you know, like why, why couldn't, ugh, it's just, there are a thousand degrees of ugh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> exactly. I, I've written articles about um, the whitewashing of Hollywood as well. And mm-hmm. uh, it, it, it's a very frustrating thing. Um, and there is no reason for it. Hollywood is, they just do what they want. And then people keep spending their money. And that's why they keep doing it. Mm-hmm. So they're still making yeah. money. They don't care. That's essentially and what he, it is. And it's abhorrent. And I think that something that was um, particularly uh, important to me in terms of the quotes, because again, I know that how I, how disgusted I was in particular, but I also wanted to see, you know, what, how did other, you know, I I wanted to let the experts on the topic speak for themselves because they, you know, no far, they, you know, are, you know, experts on these, on these topics for a reason. And I think that there was, um, you know, they, hold on one second. Um, uh, Monica White Nadunu, who uh, was incredibly helpful, she's a professor at Tufts in the Department of Drama and Dance, was a particularly helpful uh, source when when I was, you know, putting all this together. And there was, um, she said something in particular that really resonated with me. She said, it's more than cultural appropriation, it's erasure. It erases the fact that people of color have populated and sustained major civilizations outside of white or Western influence. It misleads people into thinking such civilizations are not possible outside the influence of white people. And I was just look, you know, taking that chunk of a quote from an art, uh, what she had um, said to me. I think that's so important for us to just, you know, as just to recognize the fact that the way in which by telling these narratives, even if, you know, Hollywood needs to pay attention because it's not just, oh, well, we're going to cast, you know, it's not just a casting decision. It's a choice of the way they misrepresent and try to rewrite a narrative that isn't theirs. And, Mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm. 
it's again i'm not saying anything that we don't know already i just i thought that quote was in particular really just powerful and um i again i really grateful that i spoke to a lot of people worked with a lot of really um awesome second readers and it was something that i think that again as i i wanted to speak to people and get a lot of experts opinion because this is something that you know um you know, exoticism in Egypt is is has been is a long-standing issue. I mean, you know, kind of from Egypt has always been this sort of like like ooh mystical East kind of thing. Mm-hmm. That's you know that sort of Orientalist perspective of you know you know it's different because and so it's different. So therefore, we try uh, you know it, individuals try and claim it as theirs, and it's not. You know, there's no reason <laughs> it can't. It's just. It's such like it's such a mind fuck, and I don't. It's just like I, I want. I I just want to throw throw things. things I feel like, like you need a hug right now. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh no no no! I don't. I'm okay. I mean, I have. I feel like I don't know. It's just you know. It's not. You know, I think that there are so many talented actors that should have been should have been uh, uh, cast, and I think that I don't know. I'm just going. Uh, and I'm really, really glad that the movie flopped. I'm really, really glad that this movie flopped. <laughs> like, so there. Yeah, ah. yeah. take that, uh-huh. Hollywood. <laughs> but, you know, let's hope that, you know, again, I'm not expecting that I'm gonna, was going to make world, you know, the world shake with this article. But, again, I wanted to see, you know, this is, uh, you know, what, you know, just looking at it from an academic perspective and, you know, talk, because it, you will see a lot of these kinds of things in, you know, movies, Hollywood in general, but it's, it's rare that it's ancient history specific. And what I write about is so kind of niche that it's rare that not rare, but um, given the movie of this kind of buzz was coming out that I thought it, I would be remiss if I didn't talk to individuals um, in the film industry, journalists, media experts, archeologists, and write something. Um, well, I'm glad that you did because more people need to do that. Yeah. yeah. It's all about advocacy. And I think the more people have that conversation and put it out there, maybe it'll get through. Who knows? One can only hope. And I think that, um, you know, like, wouldn't, how awesome would it be to have like a Hatshepsut biopic? Like, why couldn't we have one of those? Like, wouldn't, wouldn't you, who wouldn't want to see, speaking of kick ass, a, um, an amazing <laughs> female pharaoh starring you know, her story come to life starring an Egyptian actress. Wouldn't that be awesome? Absolutely. Be I, would. I would go see that in a heartbeat. I mean, I would like, you know, like, or Zahi Yawas, who's in our, you know, who's, um, he's called the Indiana Jones of Egyptian archaeology. You know, he, um, you know, he's a very interesting figure, very, you know, has a very fascinating, fascinating life story himself. He's been on like he's the guy with the hat who um, you've probably seen on any Egyptology documentary. Um, his <laughs> yeah, life that alone, one guy with the hat. Yeah, with the hat. Yeah, okay. yeah he's like, he, his life alone would make an amazing biopic. I would go see that in a heartbeat. And it's so because he's I mean he's really been through it all. And I mean there are so many stories that, uh, you know that I would love to see that you know don't need to be that you know that can have and should have. Um, you know, actors of color and characters of color, and it uh, it baffles me. It really, really baffles me. It's just the state of America, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah. 
It, it's sad, but true. So I just want to throw spoons at them. I don't know why spoons. <laughs> you know, like... spoons can be just as dangerous. I mean, yeah, forks, you know, and knives might be better, but. <laughs> Not mad enough for forks and knives. <laughs> don't want to hurt them, but I was thinking, get the like, point across. I feel like knives are kind of cliche when you're talking about throwing stuff. Yeah. Like maybe, I don't know. I have no idea why spoons. I feel like the, like spoons don't get their fair share when it comes to utensils. Like they don't get their. Yeah. Neither do sporks though, and those are pretty amazing. That's very true. Yeah. That's very true. There's this bookstore. Can we throw sporks? Can we yes. compromise? Yes. <laughs> yes, I like that. Except now, I, I I think I saw somewhere like someone invented like a spork and knife combo. Uh-oh. It was really, like weird, and it was like a. There was like a. I don't know. I think it was like a Kickstarter campaign. I really hope that didn't get off the ground because that would have been a weird invention. Yeah, I don't know if humanity is ready for that. No, that's, that's, that's too much of a combo. Like two things was... are already combined. Do you want to know how I got these scars? <laughs> I feel like I need like need like a cap on the knife end because like how would you eat if the knife was like poking you? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Doesn't sound that... awful, but I, I'm now very curious to learn more about ancient utensils. <laughs> yeah, that's your next article. Yeah, yeah. yeah. clearly. Um, yeah. How can we make I'm... forks and spoons sexy? <laughs> <laughs> Let's do this. I mean, I feel like there's a way to. I mean, to make anything sexy, I feel yeah. like there's. Uh, yeah. You know, and I mean, there are so many great Egyptian stories that I whether mythol. Like, did you know that? Um, one of the Egyptian creation, according to one of the Egyptian cre- creation myths, um, the god Atum brought the world into existence by masturbating. <laughs> Not that we can see that on film, but that is just... so unsexy. That should have been God. As he did. <laughs> now I, In the beginning, I, there was a guy and he had internet access. <laughs> exactly. Which I think is really bizarre considering that. Like, there wasn't anyone around except for him. That's the whole point. Like, ever, all the other gods came into creation because of that. Because someone... Um, he was Buffalo he, Bill from... He basically was lamb. masturbating to himself. Yeah. He's like, oh my god, I'm so hot. Standing in front of the mirror <laughs> with goodbye horses playing in the background. I'd fuck me. Would you fuck me? <laughs> I mean, I think that someone on Twitter was saying something about this particular myth. And I was like, and I remember it was like, oh my god, Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> not, not, not like not like I'm into that, but it was but like I remembered reading about that. I was like, that's weird. So, I like how you just specify like wait, I'm wait. not into dudes masturbating and creating the world, okay? <laughs> I'm not. That's, that's not that my face. <laughs> I mean, you know, my browser history. No, I'm teasing him. <laughs> uh, no, but I just I thought like what a weirdly interesting cause way of addressing the question of creation. I just like, it's so, I, I feel like something like that really, like you guys are right, like need is, um, it seems like impossible not if it's not in the age of the internet. Because what was he, <laughs> I feel like he wasn't that sexy. I mean, maybe it's just me, you know. This me, darkness not, is so hot. <laughs> <laughs> maybe hey, he was just really bored. There was bored. no air at that point. <laughs> there, there was like nobody else around and he's yeah. just like, eh. His yeah. mom's I, knocking on the door. Are you creating a universe in there? <laughs> God. No, Ma. <laughs> I told you not to bother me while my door's shut. <laughs> oh. oh my God. Could you guys imagine... That kind of oh god, I'm just like trying to like I'm just like trying to like imagine like some sort of weird oh I don't even know what's going through my head right now. 
And that, it's probably a good thing. I, I unfortunately can see it all too clear in my head and it's a problem. So makes me really glad we don't have the video option on right now. I know, right? <laughs> but isn't it interesting in terms of that's something that's so it's often considered so taboo or just not polite discussion, yet that was a and again, those are conventions that are, you know, superimposed onto you know, other but it's just such an interesting idea of like well, that's how it happened. <laughs> and that was one version of different creation myths. But if you guys could come up with your own creation myth, what how do you think you would have created the world? I'm I'm thinking the masturbation story. <laughs> you know, afterwards the gods like see that? Yeah, I jacked that off. <laughs> jack off that was just that. by Tuesday. <laughs> yeah. See oh that? I couldn't get to sleep one night, created that. <laughs> <laughs> I would like to imagine that I am not made out of semen, so I'm not going to go with that well, one. Well, I mean, technically. <laughs> you have one chromosome from that. <laughs> I mean, let's be real. I like the idea that I'm made out of stardust, like, way better. So it's I'm gonna just ejaculatory that. stardust. I'm just, just going to stick with the Big Bang, I think. Yeah, I think, except though, when you think about it, I mean, isn't the Big Bang, well, now I'm thinking of the Big Bang as like the big hand job. Which well, is it really- is. It's, it's basically, it's the same thing. It's an explosion. It's this huge explosion, which is the same thing as, you know, a god That's masturbating yeah. and creating the world. It's, I mean, it's definitely it's got, shot out in all different directions. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely a very similar type yeah. of uh, story. If you really look at it. This one just doesn't involve masturbation, so I'm going with it. That's true. Oh, there's Although, always masturbation yeah. involved. Oh, gosh. <laughs> or statues that are being molested in this case. Yes. <laughs> oh. Trico's laughing because he's like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I just wonder how many universes I've flushed down the toilet. <laughs> oh, my God. Somewhere there's a whole galaxy. <laughs> in a galaxy far, far away down in the sewers. <laughs> Little wow. did we know. The multiverse was actually all Draco's doing. <laughs> oh my goodness. Well, I can't think of a better way to end the show. Yeah, I mean, yeah. end it with a bang, right? We covered it all. Uh, flying poop, <laughs> masturbation, sex with statues. Yeah. <laughs> one-eyed yeah. warrior women? Yeah, yeah one-eyed warrior women. Sexual yeah, innuendo. all the things that yeah. I want to see in the And then penises, which yeah. is clearly yeah. the best way to end anything. Oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. You can't you can't go further than that. I always no, no. end my night with a penis. <laughs> Whoa. Yeah. We gotta talk. <laughs> Does your wife know about this? <laughs> oh my god. Thank you so much for coming yeah. on the show, Carly. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really just I think you guys are doing awesome, awesome things and I appreciate oh, you. you letting me ramble. No, absolutely. Oh, anytime. We didn't. We learned a whole bunch of stuff, yeah. and we barely had to talk. So that's yeah. like, that is like a win-win for us. I, I mean, loved it. I, I mean, I have the gift of gab, and that sometimes I, if I get talking to something I'm really passionate about, I'm. It's kind of hard to shut me up. So I'm uh, digging. Um, I was drinking the whole time, so I'm like, "This is sweet." <laughs> Pouring myself another shot. I'm <laughs> so glad I could provide a reason. <laughs> that is my. Yes, de resistance. Awesome. That 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 is what I'm gonna say. I provided a reason to. There you go. <laughs> uh, yeah. So uh, anyone who's interested in learning more about the weird, the wild, the sexy, and the plain disturbing um, <laughs> of the ancient world, you can find me on Twitter at Carly A. Silver, um, ancienthistory.about.com, and I'm also a contributing writer to historybuff.com. 
uh, coming up on Tuesday. Oh, this is for New Yorkers, but if anyone from New York is listening on Tuesday, I'm going to be dishing about the weird world of uh, the lost city of Atlantis at the Society for the Advancement for Social Studies, which is going to be really fun. We're doing an urban legend special. And I'm going to be a speaker. And then on at the Brooklyn Brainery, which is that great spot that I mentioned earlier, um, on a, uh, at the end of April, I'm going to be doing my Game of Thongs lecture. That's so awesome. you want to learn more about penises and Pompeian graffiti and <laughs> basically all uncomfortable things that or things that make you uncomfortable when you're around your parents. <laughs> but not when you're sitting next to a stranger. You guys are like high-fiving <laughs> over it. You're like, yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> Yeah, or, you know, Roman porn or just things that are full of sex. Um, that is also going to be, I think that's the last Wednesday in, in April. And that's also going to be in New York. Cool. Um, nice. Awesome. We cool. need to get to New York. I yeah. know, right? <laughs> we We're messing out on some things. Yeah. 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 There are some pretty awesome things here, but I also love traveling to just see all of the wonderful things. Yeah, well, there's not a lot of wonderful things in this area, but if well, you ever make it over this way. Clearly, Shelby Township is the place to come yeah. if yeah, you yeah. are coming to Michigan, not to Hey, Detroit. look, I'm de- if I'm in the area, I will definitely, well, of course, I have to look you guys up. Yeah. But it looks like you guys are the whiskey capital of Michigan. We are we now. Are. Yeah. We've, we've officially made it so. Officially, unofficially. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> we've officially made it yeah. so, but it's, it's not necessarily the truth. Yeah. <laughs> We live in a bubble. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like I was in one other town in competition. Yeah. <laughs> Some town up in the UP is like, wait a minute. We're the whiskey capital. I'm trying to think like what I would, or like what, where I live. I don't know what would be the capital of. It's just, it's it's nice. I don't know. <laughs> deli I sandwiches. Were... Capital of deli sandwiches. Yeah. They got a lot of good food in New York. Yeah. No, that's true. We do. We do. I mean, cap. I'm, well, I think New York would be like the capital of overpriced, undersized real estate. <laughs> awesome. Yes, I would yes. agree with that. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's, oh, God. Um, I mean, I love it here, but it's, yeah, they have, yeah. <laughs> there, there, there's really no, uh, no, no way to know. <laughs> just, just just no there's really there's no way to unless like you're you know in finance or something like that there's really no way to do this well yeah <laughs> to, to make the new york existence easy just because like, it's my existence. bed's in the bathtub um <laughs> i have a closet and that's where i have to put like yeah. my desk and like all my <laughs> we've murphied everything there's a murphy bed there's a murphy desk there's a murphy stove <laughs> it's just like into the wall no i mean that's Pretty sort of, yeah. Kind of, <laughs> sort of. I'm looking around because I, uh, uh, yeah, kind of. I, I store most of, like, I store things in my oven. Obviously, it's not on, <laughs> but um, I store things in my oven. I have like, you, again, it's kind of like you just have to like. There's nowhere to go but up because the space in terms of length is taken up. So it's really just like, what can I pile on top of something else so that it hopefully will not fall. It's like a really awesome game of Jenga. Yes. <laughs> I'm, so, I'm, I always, this is a particularly weird thing, but I love corgis. I swear this is rel- not really relevant, but it's, but so I always like joke that like I want enough corgis to stack them like Jenga blocks. Oh, that would be really cute. I, that would be ridiculous, except I don't want anyone lie. to fall. I just want to hug them all. 
So you only really want like six corgis. Yeah, yeah. Otherwise, that's you know. You know, can't you know? Like their dogs are a super big commitment and all that stuff. They're just <laughs> fun. I mean, I, like they're just they're they're little like chicken nuggets with legs. They're wonderful. <laughs> uh, awesome. That's fantastic. Very true. Cool, cool. Um, anything else you you want to plug? Uh, I think I'm good. I think I I plugged what's what's pluggable for the moment. Yeah, <laughs> awesome. uh, I have to say I'm trying to think of um yeah again I'm Carly A Silver C A R L Y A S I L V E R on Twitter. Tweet me about anything weird history wise. If you have any questions about like or anything that you think would make a good article topic or like hey what happened to this person or like why did you know why did Caesar divorce his second wife. I can tell you that. Also, I can tell you all of Caesar's sordid secrets, which I feel like is a really good name for a really bad like Caesar's ancient sordid secrets. secrets. Yeah, that's no, awesome. I like it. That's that's a whole podcast series. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yes. Like for yeah, I mean there are so many like he was supposed to, some rumors had him as Brutus's uh secret love father. Like he was actually the Brutus was actually his son, but that's another story. That's a another. whole other thing. <laughs> <Yeah>. Mind blown. <laughs> Caesar part two coming in. Yeah. Well, well, yeah. There's, there's, there's so much more Caesar. Uh, <laughs> All right. Well, thanks again for having me guys. I really appreciate it. Oh, thanks yeah. For coming was, on. Yeah. Thank you so yeah. much. All right. Well, until cool. our next episode. Yeah. I'm Trike. Do you I'm guys. Stephanie. I'm Dove. And you are. <laughs> Oh, I'm Carly. I'm Carly. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. You're That's not used right. to it. Yeah, That's yeah. Fine. yeah. <laughs> I last time I checked, I'm pretty sure I'm I'm myself. Yes. Good. Awesome. Um,